Welcome to another episode of the BGA Fight Gear Lockdown Talks. My name is Misha and I'm here with my co-host Bram. Today we're speaking to Paul Sutherland, a former MMA champion, uh, UFC judge and also uh, the coach of uh, UFC fighters as well as numerous uh, jiu-jitsu champions, world champions, UFC champions and especially at the moment uh, focusing on kids, jiu-jitsu and kids MMA uh, which uh, he's building out a very successful team in the UK. Um, well, Paul, uh, f- welcome. Uh, happy to be talking to you today. Thank you very much, guys. Happy to be here. Um, so um, we spoke about this uh, earlier. Um, how is your life during the lockdown like right now? We actually called uh, two weeks ago, but how are things developing for you now? Yeah, um, pretty pretty much the same, to be honest. Um, obviously, we're not opened up. My academy is not opened up. Um, we're still waiting on the government sort of guidelines to give us a date where we, we can start to open our facility again. Um, personally, I've been doing a lot of like uh, one-to-one sort of training with people like outdoors and stuff, you know, when the weather's good. Right. Um, but apart from that, obviously we're not running public classes or anything as yet. Um, I'm hoping that something will happen uh, at some point this month, if not next month, and then we can get ourselves back um, yeah. back to opening our facility, you know. And there's no uh, uh, like planning being communicated from the government, like when they are going to open up the gyms completely? No, well, they've opened up, obviously, uh, restaurants and hotels and, and bars and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and hairdressers, but we're still waiting to, the gyms are still waiting to uh, yeah. to reopen. You know, I, I personally don't see, I, I know I can govern the amount of people coming into my gym and space them out and stuff, you know, but you can't really do that when, uh, people have been drinking in the pub and, you know, they're yeah, shoulder yeah, to shoulder yeah. and stuff like that, you know. Yeah, so a bit hard. It doesn't make sense to me, but... <laughs> yeah. We don't have a strong enough lobby going on there, I think. Yeah, that's the thing, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We need something a bit stronger, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but you you can do the one-on-one coaching uh, out, yeah. outside, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've been doing some uh, one-on-one coaching. Obviously, I have some... Uh, pro fighters as well, which I've been like doing some mitt work drills for them and stuff outdoors, obviously. Um, because I've got a few guys with pending upcoming fights as well, so obviously they still need to train. Um, yeah. and that's how they earn their living as well, you know. So, right, obviously, I have to do my bit as well just to support them. Yeah, and for the kids, uh, do you guys do like online classes or? Yeah, the, the only thing we do for the kids at the moment, we do some outdoor fitness classes to keep their fitness levels up. Yeah. Um, so I've been doing that a couple of times a week um, with obviously my uh, kids' jiu-jitsu squad. You know, we're doing a lot of like shuttle sprints and, you know, a lot of uh, cardiovascular exercises outdoors, um, keeping them fit and energized and motivated as well, which is the most important thing, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, yeah, and hopefully they will uh, uh, keep motivated and come back after the lockdown restrictions are, are lifted. Yeah, I hope so. Um the parents of the kids um, are very um, driven as well. They support their kids through, um, obviously through all of this. And, you know, they all got mats at home and they're all training at home and stuff. And they send me their videos, you know, and say, Paul, what about this? Is this technique good? And stuff like that, you know? So they're still training at home, you know, and they're, they're yeah. pretty good, you know, very motivated, which is great. Yeah, Bram, you uh, you yeah. actually have some experience, uh, maybe not comparable to uh, to Paul's, but you have some experience in, in teaching kids also in jiu-jitsu. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll leave the word to you yeah. on that so topic then. You currently have like a really successful kids program. Has uh, yeah. are, Have the kids classes always been like a bit, big part of your gym? Uh, not initially, to be honest. I, um, I've been teaching kids for a long time, uh, but my main focus they've brought into my main focus when i uh basically took over trojan gloucester which was from 2015 so it's really like the last sort of five years i've really focused on my kids program yeah and uh obviously you know it's been really a really good success and you know yeah. I, I find i can really relate to the kids and obviously the parents you know respect me as well you know so it's a good thing you know to work with obviously the kids and obviously the parents too you know but uh yeah, it's just really took off really uh, recently. Um, probably the last sort of three to four years has just blown up my kids' programs, you know, <clears throat> which I teach obviously jujitsu and I teach an MMA curriculum as well. Yeah. For the kids. 
Yeah. So and uh, when, you, well. when you started focusing on the kids' classes, did you already have like a, a curriculum or a plan in mind? Or did, did it kind <coughs> of grow into the, the setup that you have right now? Uh, I already had sort of a, a basis of a curriculum anyway. Okay. Um, and then uh, sort of from obviously training my own kids as well, yeah. I've kind yeah. of like brought that on board, you know, and that obviously helps, you know. And uh, yeah, I've, I've just had a, and like every year that we, <coughs> go through this i always evolve in techniques with them and yeah. teaching yeah. drills and you know anything to keep them sort of so you can't sort of teach them the same way you would teach adults you know they haven't got the same attention span or whatever yeah but yeah. um obviously you have to make the sessions a little bit shorter a little bit more intense and then obviously have the rewards at the end like the games and stuff you know so to keep them you know motivated to be able to train and you know and, and do well yeah, so. yeah, I think that that's one of the hardest parts with the with the kid classes. And also, yeah. uh, one thing I, f I find really interesting is like, how do you keep, especially the the younger kids, how do you make sure that they keep on training with you, that they don't leave after one year because they they get bored of it, or yeah, how do you make it's, sure that uh, they kind of like progress throughout the the ranks and that you can actually yeah. start teaching them jujitsu? Well, um, usually what I do, I have uh, several classes which I I. Um, you start off in a beginner's class yeah, and then you graduate to like the intermediate class and you graduate to my elite class. So you've always got something to look ahead rather than having all the kids in one class, yeah, all different levels, which I did in the past to be fair. Yeah. And um, right now I've, I actually set my classes up. So um, the elite kids only train with the elite kids. And if you want to get onto the elite program, you have to, you know, have a certain requirements and yeah. skill set to be able to do that. So it's, it's like um, almost like, you know, like when you grade kids and you, you give them their stripes and belts and stuff, it's, it's something for them to look forward to and to work towards yeah, to yeah. actually get better. And yes, you do have a, it's not for everybody, obviously, you know, you can't, everybody that walks through your gym is not going to be a success. They might not like it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I find our success rate is really high. And the, t you know, the turnover is, is, you know, I get a lot of people, a lot of kids join in and they tend to stay to be fair. Yeah. Um, obviously, when I get to teenage years, you know, different distractions and stuff. I don't know whether they're going to stay, you know. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the the uh, the younger ones, which I do, like uh, I start off with an under sevens program, and my under seven program they actually do with their parents. Okay. So oh, they actually nice. do the class with their parents, and yeah. then they nice. do the drills with their parents. So the parents stay engaged. Because sometimes, if the kids come into a class, they're very they haven't got a lot of confidence. A lot of the kids that I teach have either been bullied or you know, lack self-esteem and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, I try to make them as comfortable as possible in that environment, you know, rather than like being with kids who are on my elite program, which are frightened yeah. to death probably. They destroy um, them. I'd rather they come in with their parent, do a little bit with their parent, give them some confidence, and then they can gravitate to the other classes once they sort of get used to the movements and, yeah. you know, being in those positions as well, you know, so... And, and nice. obviously with that, the parents are learning as well and they can train at home with them. Yeah, yeah. And and yeah. Um, do all the kids who started your academy, do they start uh, with their parents? Or if they are like uh, already of a little bit older if, age, they can... Yeah, if they're, a little bit, if they're a little bit older, I will start them off just in a regular class. Okay. But yeah. the, it's the under sevens yeah. is the ones that... They all start I with find the parents. That, uh, the, yeah, they, yeah. You know, obviously with the intenseness of jujitsu and, you know, the, the yeah. grappling side of it, um, you know, some of them get quite intimidated and like the first yeah, time you get mounted yeah, yeah. and you can't breathe and you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, I find it's better to do it with the, with the parent for the under sevens. Yeah. And then the older ones will just come into a regular class. And then obviously I, the parents are there just to watch them. And then after a while, um, the parents just drop them off. I teach the kids and they come and pick them up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I guess on, on the, on two sides of the spectrum, you can have kids that are either, uh, maybe into getting into uh, martial arts and jiu-jitsu in specific uh, to <clears throat> get more confidence. Maybe they get bullied or things like that. And on the other yeah. hand, you have kids that are there to kind of blow off steam. They're just, uh, yeah. you can't handle them. Does the, yeah, yeah, the you way you set it up help to, because I can imagine if you put those together in a class, yeah. uh, the, yeah. the first category gets a bit overwhelmed by the second one. Yeah. I can yeah. imagine if you first put them with the parents that that already helps a lot to deal with that kind of problem. It definitely does. I, I find it it's, it's really successful. The parents enjoy it as well, you know, and obviously some of the parents have actually signed up and they're doing oh, jiu-jitsu no. themselves now in my house, <laughs> you know. Uh, but it's, it kind of works, you know. But, but uh, 
but yeah, it's it's, re- it's really good, and it's it's great to see the interaction between the parent and the child, you know. Yeah, and it, it, it's fantastic. And the parents always come and thank me and say, "Oh, he's got so much more confidence." You know, not to say that they can all sort of defend themselves, but if they got confidence in, you know, just general everyday going to school or, right. you know, having to maybe do a talk, you know, in front yeah, of yeah. people, you know, at least you've expressed yourself a little bit through martial arts. Um, I think, you know, things like that will help. Yeah, yeah. And and is there something specific you do to like boost their confidence in uh, except besides like just giving them um, like a, a safe environment and uh, making them feel comfortable? Is there something else you do yeah, that, that kind uh, of gives them uh, the confidence? Yeah, I mean, obviously, if kids are doing really well, you give them a lot of praise, you know? Yeah. yeah. You know, you have to do that. You have to reward sort of good technique, good behavior. Uh, and conversely, if they're not listening and stuff, you know, they don't do the games and stuff at the end. So yeah, I always have, right, we, we work for half an hour, you know, 45 minutes, whatever it may be. Yeah, and then at the end, if you've done really well, techniques done really well, we do the games at the end, you know, and you can yeah. do the games with your parents. So that kind of works as well for the younger ones, you know. So okay. yeah, yeah, that's yeah, good. Yeah. Good to hear, and especially like with those younger ones, I think uh, at least I find it really hard to have a balance between like technique and games, because eventually yeah. <laughs> you want them to do like an actual technique and not only the games. Yeah. Uh, do you yeah. progress towards that, or because you say you have the games at the end of the class, so I imagine yeah. that at the start of the class you do like some kind of technique. Yeah, we, we do definitely do technique, but you within the technique, you can uh, do like a, a game within the technique, you know, yeah, right? You've yeah. got to pa- pass your parents guard. Okay, if you do that, you get like one point or, so, you know, something like yeah. that, you know, so you give them the technique and then you kind of like make it into a game. But within that, you're actually showing them real jujitsu, you know? Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's so nice. it's, it's just very, very tricky. And it's, it's not for everybody, you know, I've I've seen many a coach try to teach kids and they can't do it, you know? Yeah, you need you to be really creative to, uh, to come up with... Uh, uh, and, <laughs> yeah, and different methods because each kid is different. You've got to have different methods of being able to control the kids and making yeah. sure they're doing what they should be doing and attention span, you know? So it's really it's really full-on, full-on job, you know? Yeah, 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 I can imagine. And um, mm. yeah, for, for your, like, your elite group of kids, um, yeah. uh, from what, what age is that group and what does the training for them look like? Yeah, uh, basically it's competition training. Yeah, yeah. it's you know fairly serious because they all compete, um, you know, to a high level. Yeah, uh, most of them have been training with me a minimum of probably two and a half to three years. So they compete from white belt um, all the way through to like um, yellow or orange, um, and yeah, I just run it like a adult competitive okay. competition class basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and. They're in that class for a reason because they've already competed or have the desire to do well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I do, I do push them, but you know, again, they they know what to really respond to that really yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That is really nice yeah. that you can, like, within two years, you can kind of build it up to a point where you yeah. can actually pu- push them a bit more and, uh, yes. and really yeah. have them uh, yeah. be ready for competition. By, yeah, but by the time you've been teaching them for probably a year plus eighteen months, you know whether they want to compete or not. Yeah, yeah you know what you know what level they're going to be at you know um so obviously i've got kids who have been training with me for five years and they don't want to compete and that's absolutely fine they just want to train the martial art which is yeah absolutely no problem to me whatsoever um but then obviously you've got the other ones who do really want to achieve something and they compete yeah. and some of them compete um in jiu-jitsu and they compete in mma as well they do nogi grappling you know everything really so yeah yeah um, it's a really good competitive class, but they're all a team. They're, it's not like uh, it's all individuals. They're all actually a team. And when one does well, they're all um, sort of, you know, uh, rewarding and saying, "Well, oh, that's great. You did fantastic, you know. So we've got a really good team environment. Yeah, yeah. Um, even with the kids. And that crosses over to my adult teams as well, you know. And is, does MMA start at the same age as the jiu-jitsu classes? The, the yeah, kids yeah. So I've got a MMA curriculum for kids which I've got a belt system as well. So every six months or so, they will have to sort of graduate and take a uh, take a belt, uh, like a grade in. And I, I find that works well. Rather than just giving kids technique, this is a punch, this is a kick, and uh, hitting some pads. Yeah. But yeah. we got a set, I have a set structure for them. And then obviously, you know, they get that grade in syllabus. I give <clears throat> each sort of uh, belt system to the parents and they got that as a reference. So at home when they're practicing, they can just call out, right, you need to be doing jab, cross, low kick, 
um, switch knee or something, you know, so they, yeah. they've got all the techniques there which yeah. they can call out for their child, you know, when they're practicing at home. Is it a different type of kid signing up for jiu-jitsu or MMA classes or do you see a lot of cross-training between the two? It's 90% do jiu-jitsu, do the MMA as well. It's right. about wow. 90%. Oh, yeah. that's a lot. That's so, awesome. Yeah, like my kids that I teach, they're, um, obviously jiu-jitsu is our first protocol for the kids, but many of my kids are really skilled strikers as well. Because um, awesome. they've been training at the strike in the same length of time as what they've been training jiu-jitsu. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, the future is yeah, crazy. These uh... yes, <laughs> scary as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, talking a little bit about the future. Uh, so you have the kids classes. Do you already have some kids who went through your whole program and are now like uh, competing with the adults? Yeah, I have um, two of my kids who I've been training since. I think they've been uh, probably about seven years old. They're coming up to uh, two of them are fifteen now. Oh, nice. So they'll be crossing over to juveniles. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so they'll be training with the adults as soon as they're 16. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is this year. So um, <laughs> that's going to be very interesting as well. They've done one or two classes with the adults. And yeah. yeah. Like a lot of my adults can't believe how skillful they are so young, like, you know, but uh, they've been training since they were, you know, small. So, um, so yeah, it's really good. I've got uh, three, three lads at the moment who are just – getting ready to cross over to juvenile so whenever they get to the 16 they'll be juvenile blue belts you know yeah and that is really good them, and they're, they're competing as well system yeah they compete in mma and jiu-jitsu yeah oh wow yeah 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 uh, that's going to be scary for the adult classes <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah a lot of my adults especially my profile as i said uh as soon as these kids get to sort of you know, 18, they're all retired. They won't be able to hang with them in the gym. Yeah, yeah. well, that's a really good sign. I think uh, yeah. it's a successful program. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. I've, uh, at least here in the Netherlands, but I've also seen places in the UK where the adult jiu-jitsu classes are kind of, they still have the, the upper hand or they, the, those schools don't even have kids' classes yet. Maybe yeah. could you describe a little bit what it means for a school to, uh, if you also want to grow and you want to make it a full-time thing, what does it mean for the school, for the academy to have kids' classes? Yeah, I think it obviously for any academy, it's the future of our sport, you know, whether it's just in martial arts or whether it's competing, the kids is where it's at, you know. And so like in 10 years' time, those kids will be taken over from the guys who I got competing now you know as the adults they'd be the ones taking over the gym you know and right. that's the way i see it and um, anybody who runs an academy i think it's well worth your while um just for your legacy really to have kids involved with what you're doing um yeah yeah, yeah it's uh i think it's really imp uh, important sort of cog in the machine really to have the kids there you know yeah and if you look at the distribution so like is it a lot easier to get 100 or 200 kids in your school than it is to get so many adults or how is that kind of split between kids and adults um in my academy at the moment i've probably got a 60 40 split in terms of the kids so i've got uh, more kids just just about more kids than adults yeah um but uh you know you do get the odd ones that drop off as well um right. what i find with the adults is that they cannot commit to apart from my professionals um a lot of them can't commit to training like every night so a lot of my adults don't actually compete jiu-jitsu they just want to train the martial art because they yeah understand that you need to put a hell of a lot of time if you're going to compete and do well in competition you know obviously yeah. you know you've got to be honest with yourself yeah. if you're not prepared to put all the time in or you've not uh got the ability to put all the time in or because of work or family and stuff like that then obviously you're probably better just maybe doing local tournaments um every now and again or just just training the martial art and enjoying it you know yeah 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 okay yeah you um to move on to another uh, topic that you are specialized in uh you're a, a ufc judge also c coming from your own uh, mma background might be uh, interesting uh, for people to also hear about that. Could you maybe briefly describe uh, how you got up in in MMA and how you kind of how that evolved into your career as a as a ref? Okay, right. So 
Um, I've basically been doing martial arts for most of my life. Um, I started off with traditional Kung Fu and kickboxing, which is uh, 1986, I believe, I think I started. And um, then after doing that for about 10, 10 years, 12 years, um, first sort of watched, uh, I think it was UFC 1, I think I watched, or UFC 2, something like that. So I watched it um, and I was just mesmerized by Hoyce Gracie and what he did and, you know, because I didn't even know what jujitsu was or grappling, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. um, so obviously from seeing that, my mindset totally changed on what is real martial arts and what isn't. So uh, personally from there, I went to a local Japanese jujitsu school, actually, um, because there was no Brazilian jujitsu around in my area at that, at that time. So I went to that school, um, got my house, ass handed to me, to be honest. Um, when it went to the grind, um, because they did a lot of judo based techniques, you know? Yeah. yeah um, so from there, I just thought I've got to learn this. So uh, I trained with them for probably four years, something like that. And then, uh, obviously cause I had the striking background and I had a little bit of grappling. Um, I decided to start competing amateur MMA, uh, which was like one of the first sort of organizations to do that. In this country, I was like one of the first guys to do it. Um, so I did uh, a few amateur fights, and then I just decided to go professional and just give it a try and just see how I, you know, <laughs> just learn on the job really. And that was with, in the scheme of things, now very minimal training. You know, if yeah. I knew sort of now, you know, then it would be a lot different story. You know, but uh, yeah, so I I always wanted to challenge myself. And it was nothing about, there was no sort of Facebook and stuff like that where you could just say, oh, look at me, I've done this. And it was just literally just going there and just challenging yourself. And I've always been the same when I competed in um, kickboxing and stuff as well. All I wanted to do was just challenge myself and just see how far I could go with it. Um, so um, did that for, I think I took my first pro MMA fight in 2001. Um, and then due to a knee injury and several knee injuries I've had, surgeries um i had to quit in 2005 um so it was like a four four to five year sort of journey of me actually competing in mma um so from there yeah i would say I, I actually won the cage warriors title i was the first cage warriors lightweight champion that was in 2004 i believe um and to be honest, if it was now, I wouldn't win it now because I've, I've been literally too small for a lightweight. I didn't cut any weight at all. I literally just <laughs> walked off the scale into the cage, you know, because uh, yeah. I walk around at that weight anyway. Yeah. Um, so if it was now, I'd probably be fighting at like 135 or something, you know, as opposed to 155. Um, so I did that. And so I didn't really have uh, that sort of decorated career because to me it wasn't a career. It was just like I just wanted to go and compete and just see how far you know what i could do competing yeah. against some real good guys yeah yeah um so uh yeah 2005 i had um an acl injury um i ruptured my acl in a, my last fight my last professional fight and my, kind of like my knees now have been the same since like, the surgery and stuff so i thought it was only honest for me to just not put myself in that position where I, i'm gonna compete yeah. with guys who are 100 healthy um at that time, I was in my 30s as well, so I wasn't really going to go anywhere with it, you know, because I'm probably too old anyway. Um, so I decided to um, get into coaching. Um, at the time, Trojan was owned by a guy called Charlie Joseph, who was my head coach. So um, after I transitioned from being a fighter, I uh, started doing some coaching, just helping the, the pro fighters. So I started coaching, a little bit of coaching, two nights a week, um, didn't get paid, didn't want to get paid. I just wanted to just help the guys. Um, and then I first um, had an inclination that the UFC were looking for some officials. And that was in 2009, I believe. Yeah, I think it was 2009. So I put an application across um, through a friend who uh, knew Mark Ratner, funny enough. And um, I had to do um, like a video sort of interview. Yeah. So I had to do like a video interview and, and send my CV over what I've done, 
you know, um, what I knew about MMA, how long I've trained jiu-jitsu and, uh, you know, everything else, everything that you've done in my martial arts career. So I sent that over and then I got invited to do my first UFC. I think it was 2011. Um, just trying to think which event it was. I think it was in Manchester. Um, so obviously I'll go there. I'll do the training as well before. Yeah. And, um, you know, you go, the next thing you're sat in a seat, cage side, <laughs> and you've got a pen in your hand with the scorecards. And yeah. It's very nerve wracking to be honest with you, especially the first time that you do it. Yeah, yeah. And then all the guys that you've sort of seen on TV, they're all walking around and you see them all day, you know, and in the fighter hotel and stuff. So it's, it is very daunting. And obviously you need to be in a position where you're not a fanboy, you know, yeah. taking pictures with people and stuff like you've got to disengage yourself from, yeah, you need to disengage yourself away from like those fighters that you see on TV and the personalities and stuff like that, you know, and you've got to be really focused on doing that judging assignment. So yeah. Yeah. Um, after my first event, um, I, I think I only did about two fights. What people don't realize is that they have probably six judges per event and you just get rotated. Oh, so you okay. might only do two fights or you might do five or six. You won't do any more than six on the night. And they yeah. usually have a, like a 12 fight or 13 fight card anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of people think it's just three judges and that's it. No, there's about six. Sometimes wow. I've worked with up to eight to an event. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, uh, yes. Yeah. So I've been working for them, uh, started in 2010 or 2011. And then obviously with my coaching, I took a head coach's role um, for Trojan. And one of my fighters actually got into the UFC, which was Shea Mills. So oh, he nice. got into the yeah. UFC, I think it was 2012 or 2013, something like that. So obviously, if he got into the UFC and I was his head coach, I couldn't yeah. judge because it's a conflict of interest. Yeah. yeah. So I had to step away um, from the UFC for three years while he was in the UFC. Yeah. And then after you know his, his sort of uh, UFC career was over and he moved on to other things I reapplied and they said yes you're quite welcome to come back you also can't so, uh, ref other people's fights during that kind of period if you don't know because fight. yeah because obviously if say for example I've got That's a it. fighter in the UFC and I'm his coach uh, what's to say that somebody I'm judging might be in his division and yeah there's you can see the conflict of interest yeah, of which I totally get yeah yeah you yeah. know yeah. even though you know I'm I would be totally honest and judge the fight on its merits, but yeah. I can see how things could look a little bit um, suspect, you know? Yeah, that makes oh, sense. Oh, he's his coach, and now he's judging like one of his fighters or a potential fighter. He's not coming in the same division, you know, or yeah. same yeah. camp, or, you know. So I, I totally get it. So obviously, I had to step away yeah. in order yeah. for my fighter to fulfill his career. Okay, but now did really well. Um, and then when he came out of the UFC, I, I obviously reapplied, had the conversations again, and they said, yes, happy to come back in. So I've been I've been there ever since then. So yeah. I still work for them now. So, so, so I, I don't really have an idea how uh, judging the uh, MMA fights works. I, I've seen sometimes like yeah. uh, photos of the notes and like a list with some <laughs> uh, some numbers yeah. and some score they fill in. But, but how does that work? Yeah. Well, um, again, a, a lot of people will look at a fight and, saying oh because he's coming forward this is you know yeah. he's won. his face is bloodied up so yeah. He's <laughs> yeah yeah it's a lot more complicated than that there's a set criteria and you have to follow that criteria every judge has to go through it um so a judge is sat there with their certain criteria yeah, yeah. also um judging is uh you know it's your interpretation of what you see and what you do see it, obviously you're the judges have sat three different points in the cage. So you can have three different perspectives on the fight. Oh, really? Yeah. Just by where you're sat. Because we're not sat in the same position. A lot of people think you might be all sat in the same, uh, on the same table or on the same yeah, row. Yeah. But you're not. You're distributed uh, around the actual cage at three different points. Okay. Yeah. So what one judge may see, one, the other one may not. You know, so obviously everything is sort of like your interpretation of what happens within yeah. that fight. And um, are, are there like uh, specific things you need to pay attention to? Of course, you have to look at the fight and, and see what happens. And yeah. like, how do you score a fight? Yeah, I mean, we there is um, obviously a, a unified um, scoring criteria which we we um, adhere to. Yeah. Um, yeah, and obviously the 
the main emphasis is on striking and grappling, the effectiveness of that. Yeah. So you have yeah. to look at that as an even keel. Okay. And whoever has got the the offensive techniques or um, is obviously that's your first kind of criteria, and then you've got a sliding scale uh, straight from that. Okay. But okay. the first thing you look at is the effectiveness of their striking and grappling, which is on a, like an even par. Yeah. And then you have to determine, you know, which one outweighs the other. You know, in ter- uh, determining on what happens in the actual fight. You know, and the action during that round. Yeah. So it kind of like works from there, and then the sliding scale works back if everything is even. Okay. You know, which is very rare. Right. It's very rare. You'll get a, a fight which is like really even on on each round. You're, you're always gonna someone's always gonna get the upper hand in one position or not. And what's it like in general to be a ref uh, standing in a cage? Is it difficult to uh, stay focused with all the noise going on and the lights and everything? Um, refing is one thing. I've never refed a UFC fight. Judging, which you obviously um, sit outside the cage. Um, it. Uh, I think when you first start, you can get, not influenced, but you can see why people can get swayed by the hometown crowd. Yeah, yeah. But once you you're really experienced, background. yeah, once you're really experienced, you pay no notice to it whatsoever. Um, okay. You can't let the crowd influence your decision. That's, yeah, you should be yeah. doing your job if that's the case. You know, um, you've got to take it very, very seriously and you've just got to get yourself into the zone and, and kind of like watch each um each part of that fight, each part of that round and break yeah. it down. And you haven't got a lot of time to actually uh, write your scores down because they always collect the scorecards in between rounds. Yeah. So it's not like at the end of the fight, there's collect your scorecards in between each round. So yeah. you haven't really got a lot of time to dwell on it, um, to think about, oh, what did this guy do? What did I... You've got to have a very quick mind and, and see the positions. And yeah. you can, like, by me being an ex-fighter as well, I think that helps because I've, Yeah, been in a lot of those positions myself so you can actually you can gauge it judging by your own experience as well you know yeah yeah so you, you already talked a little bit about about the scoring is it mostly like for yeah. the the like offensive uh the offense things people do like uh, if they punch and how effective it is they get yes. uh, scored on that but is it also like for defense like especially i, I believe with like wrestling and and jiu-jitsu on the ground in the cage then those things are like really effective in a defensive way as well Yeah, there's no criteria for defense. Okay. So you don't get scored on defense. Oh, really? Okay. You don't get scored. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's like, uh, example, if somebody, uh, if somebody, um, you've got two guys on the ground, one guy's in guard. Yeah. The guy in guard uh, throws up a triangle and the other guy defends a triangle. You don't give him any more points for defending the triangle. No, no, it's, it's more like the, yeah, you know? yeah, okay. Yeah. And of it's course, also the, like... If, yeah, and guy, obviously, if the guy's offensive and the triangle's close, you've got to take that into consideration. But if he throws a triangle up and it's um, nowhere near close, then nothing really happens on that scoring yeah, part yeah. because he's not he's not got close to attacking, you know, no, finishing no. the submission, you know. But in terms of defense or if someone throws a jab and someone slips a jab and, you know, yeah. doesn't counter... Then there's no there's no uh, points for him slipping a jab. You know, no, no, it's just less points the for the guy uh, not being yeah, as yeah, yeah. effective enough. So it's more it's, it is more for the offense and and what sort of effectiveness yeah, yeah, that yeah. you actually apply on your opponent. You know. Yeah. Okay. So if you're like, uh, is it then correct that most of the if you're like uh, the more aggressive guy during the fight, you usually uh, end up winning the the judges' score. Uh, not really, because it's most effective. Somebody, yeah. so, so if you've got two two guys on the feet and one guy's coming forward really aggressive and the other guy's stepping off and counterpunching him, yeah, then he's doing the more effective strike and the guy who's stepping yeah, back and counterpunching. Yeah. You know, it's not it's not so much, you know, if the guy's ah, just b- balling forward and throwing, yeah, you know, yeah. big shots. Or conversely, if it's on the ground, um, you've got a guy on, on top and he's inside guard and he's throwing big shots, big shots. They're not really landing, but the other guy's defending it. But then trying to set up submissions, yeah. or he's effective, striking effectively off his back, then I would give the points to the guy striking effectively off his back, or the one yeah. attempting the submissions. You know, yeah, it doesn't yeah. necessarily. If you if you're super aggressive, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to win that fight. That. That's why you have to have a trained eye to be able to see yeah. what is actually effective and what is just aggression. <laughs> you know, just aggression on its own, yeah. without doing anything with it, landing shots or yeah, you know. Yeah, it's, it's yeah I can especially imagine like the crowd is usually like. Uh, Maybe oh, yeah. more in favor of the aggressive guy that that he yeah. should have gotten the decision, yeah. but okay, yeah, it's nice yeah. to nice to know. Yeah, yeah. yeah you were uh, earlier talking about also back in, back in the days uh, when you were fighting yourself. 
yeah. well, somebody like yourself, for example, mainly uh, people having a striking background, and and at some point, of course, the the Gracie started out with it, but especially here in yeah. Europe, the uh, the grappling part kind of had to catch up a bit. When was yeah. it that you really saw that the gap being closed when jujitsu and grappling really became uh, fully integrated with the MMA game? Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, when I f- first sort of recognized and watched the UFC 1 or UFC 2, um, I could see straight away. I thought to myself, I don't really know how to fight unless I know how to, unless I can fight on the ground. So just personally, I, I, I went to the nearest resource I could find yeah, um, yeah. at the time because there wasn't any Brazilian jiu-jitsu schools around. There was literally none. Um, um, and, and tried to make the best of you know what I could and try and pick pick a lot of knowledge you know from my instructor there. Obviously, watched a lot of uh, tape and stuff, and you know I used to get together with a few guys and train in my garage and you know in the gym as well. And we'd used to try and just put parts of it together. And I didn't start sort of official Brazilian Jiu Jitsu until I think it was around two thousand and four. Yeah, but but when did you see it like in the sport in general, especially in the UK? on the on the higher level of of mma okay. and, and ufc matches right. um i would probably say um probably around 2012 something like that you could right. see like the uk guys starting to catch up you know with their jiu-jitsu as well because most of the guys who come from the uk were just boxers or kickboxers and they yeah. had no yeah. wrestling yeah. Um, and the grappling and stuff. And I'm pretty honest about it, you know. Uh, but I think it's probably around uh, 2012 or so you could just start to see the shift. And, you know, someone like Michael Bisping, you could see how good he started to become and eventually yeah. he could become a world champion as well, you know. Right. So, um, and he was very well rounded, even though he was mainly a striker, but he could defend, you know, yeah. he could scramble really well. He could use the fence to get up. He was hard to hold down, you know. Yeah. So yeah. those sort of skills have started to sort of cross over into UK MMA, I'd say. Yeah, roughly around 2012, something like that. Right. Do you think it's easier for uh, for people to tra- transition to MMA who already have a solid BJJ background, or uh, the other way around for for stand up fighters to to learn Jiu Jitsu? Um, I would categorically say that um, if you come from a Jiu Jitsu background or especially a wrestling background, your transition to MMA is a hell of a lot quicker than it is from someone coming from a striking background. Um, yeah. I don't know what it, what it is, but the, the it's, uh, for me, it's a lot easier to teach striking than it is to teach jiu-jitsu. And we'll get good at it for sure. Um, yeah, yeah. It takes years to get good at jiu-jitsu, you know? Yeah, and that's yeah. something that a lot of strikers will, you know, f- for years, you know, try to get to and may not even get there, you know? I, I mean, I, I've been tr- training jiu-jitsu for a long time and I still don't think my jiu-jitsu is like, that uh, great, you know. I'm still playing catch up and stuff, you know. But uh, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, I, I, you know, if I had my time again, I would definitely start as a grappler first, and then transition my striking off it, you know, because yeah. the actual to get good at striking, you know, for MMA purposes, not not for like K1 or Muay Thai, um, for MMA purposes, to, to get reasonable at striking takes a lot. It's a lot quicker than getting good at jiu-jitsu or MMA jiu-jitsu. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and where do you see that uh, you know now with with jujitsu being and and grappling and, and wrestling being uh, much more integrated in MMA and and you see well basically most fighters are pretty all round uh, uh, yeah. especially people that have been training all these disciplines since a young age. Um, what what do you expect if you if we look ten years from now? How will the sport develop? Well, I think the sport's developing obviously globally. But right. particularly in this in this country, um, you have specific MMA gyms now. When I had my time, I didn't. Yeah. So I had to go one place for kickboxing, one place to do some boxing, then I had to go and see my wrestling coach in Bristol. Um, you know, um, now you've got many many of those skills in within one one gym. So my gym, for example. Um, we train everything from kickboxing, boxing, uh, jiu-jitsu, MMA, jiu-jitsu, and wrestling. We, we train everything pretty much in-house. And, uh, you know, there's times I bring in other coaches as well who are specialists in their field. Yeah. 
so I tend to uh, do that, but that's how, you know, the, the, um, this country is actually developing because you've got specific MMA gyms now. Right. Uh, whereas before you didn't. Um, so obviously, you know, if someone's a, a boxer, like a boxing coach, what does he know about takedowns? The, the difference in distance and the way you box for MMA is different to how you box, you know, in a regular ring. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, you have uh, with MMA coaches now. You 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 can fuse the gap. So yeah. this is how you box for MMA. You know, you get certain tools from boxing, but you have to apply it differently for MMA. And it's the same with jujitsu. MMA jujitsu is not the same as gi jujitsu, but gi jujitsu will actually help in your positioning to be more successful. Funny enough. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. so. Um, but you've got to know the differences between sort of like the MMA application and the sort of traditional application. Um, and obviously a lot of the, if you're a former fighter, especially, and you've done it yourself, it will help to actually make those transitions. Yeah. Yeah. Now you get a generation of people who have been brought up in that integrated yeah. gym and then start yeah. teaching others, uh, or coaching yeah. others. Yeah. Because the information's there now, isn't it? Whereas before in my time, it wasn't really there. I had to go and seek it elsewhere, you know, I had to seek it, you know, and then kind of like put it together myself. Um, but uh, but now, obviously, the, the information's there, you know, the people who have like been pioneers in this country of UK MMA, they're all pretty much coaches. Now, a lot of the guys that I used to either fight against or used to be in my division in, in the, um, on the circuit when I was fighting, they're all coaches now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, even up to uh, uh, John Kavanagh, actually, we met and fought on the same fight card. Yeah, and he's yeah. like Conor McGregor's coach, you know. <laughs> yeah, right, so yeah. you know, we all come from that original sort of uh, group, you know, from the early two thousands, really. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I think it's it's really nice to see uh, like the upcoming of the more hybrid fighters instead of the the specialists. Yeah. Of course, the specialists yeah. were nice because you had like the you could do the nice matchmaking of like a striker versus yeah. a grappler, things like that. But yeah. I think yeah. uh, all in all, for the sport, it's better uh, if the hybrid fighters uh, are coming up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. We we talked about it a bit earlier on, but if, if you um, if you could build a young MMA fighter from scratch, what disciplines would you have him uh, train and and maybe in what level of importance and in what order? Well, I'm doing that as we speak with my guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, all of my all of my kids, very very strong emphasis on the ground. Their jiu-jitsu and wrestling is they train that more than anything else. Yeah, and then you know, um, I make them very good strikers. Not highly advanced, but they're very functional strikers. But for me, always 100%. I will always make sure that their ground game is solid before anything else. Ground game and wrestling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ground game and wrestling. Yes. Right. Yeah. Do Do you see that missing with people that have been predominantly doing jujitsu a lot? Uh, um, the wrestling part, the takedown part. Yes, to a point. But <laughs> to be fair, I, I think, especially in this country, uh, <clears throat> a lot of you have. If you're because uh, my gym is predominantly an MMA gym, and we have jujitsu within our gym, you know, so kind of like my ad, my adaptation of jujitsu is kind of like MMA jujitsu. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, I incorporate a lot of wrestling within my drills that I you know, teach my students. Um, other people who who may not have like a, any sort of wrestling background will probably go with either like a judo type sort of takedown, which is, yeah. again, absolutely great. I've trained with many judo guys and they're absolute beasts. Um, you know, so <clears throat> I think it's very, very important that you do have some sort of takedown game. You know, I mean, you, you know, if you're going to defend yourself, you can't sit and pull guard, you know, you have to be able to, <laughs> if someone throws a punch at you, you've got to be able to take them down, you know, or yeah, control yeah. them, you know, at some right. point, you know, so you've yeah. got to have some sort of wrestling game. I think is very important. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, most UK gyms uh, have, do have some sort of MMA content, you know, a lot of them are based out of MMA gyms anyway. So yeah, yeah. From what I find a, a lot of the, gyms uh jiu-jitsu gyms have got good takedowns because they obviously a lot of them cross over from mma as well you know yeah yeah i think that, that's really good yeah. yeah time for some shark tank i think so yeah yeah you, you wanna <laughs> no, you, you can yeah. do it right. yeah we uh we have some quick questions uh some a okay. a b uh, questions or 
just just come up with the first thing that pops into your mind. Uh, yeah. Submission or knockout? Uh, anything that works, anything that gets the tap or the ref <laughs> will stop in, step in. So either, either, doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, of course, the, the next question is a bit a matter of uh, the time in your life, probably the phases you, that you're in, but uh, coaching or fighting? Um, definitely coaching now. Um, always wanted to be a fighter, loved to compete. Um, unfortunately, with injuries and stuff, I had to step away from that, you know, but uh, um, I would do it all again, to be fair. Yeah, um, right. But uh, but yeah, for me now, I get way more satisfaction from coaching and seeing my students do really well more than what i i ever did you know which is absolutely yeah. why i'm there you know so is is that because it concerns more than just yourself and you're actually expanding that kind of power let's say uh no i just like to see i like to see people do well i i've got a lot of experience i've trained under some sort of uh, some great coaches um like my coach now for example jimmy johnson and Andy Costello and Luke Costello, they're, you know, they're just a fountain of knowledge. And I just, I've been really privileged to be taught by some really fantastic martial artists. And <clears throat> what I would like to do is obviously just pass that down, yeah, you know, yeah. pass that down to the next generation, pass that down to my students who are under me now, pass that across to my fighters, you know, my experience as well. Uh, but I've, I've just had such a privilege to have trained with such high level and nice people as yeah. well i just want to give you know my students that sort of experience as well and just do my best for them yeah I, yeah i get that um favorite technique uh when i was kickboxing i used to like uh spinning back kick that used to be uh one of my favorites signature yeah. moves kick them against um, the cage yeah uh, <laughs> uh jiu-jitsu wise uh i would say probably armbar or kimura um is probably my go-to sort of submissions really yeah. uh weight cutting in mma dangerous <laughs> yeah. uh i think a lot of people don't do it right i think uh, a lot of people walk around too big and then they have to cut dangerous amounts of weight yeah yeah um to make you know just because they want to be bigger in the cage i really do think there should be like a, a cap on how much weight you can cut yeah um yeah. you know your weight should be taken at the start of your fight camp and then that should determine what weight class you should you should be fighting in you know yeah right. yeah um you know I, I i'm not a great fan of yo-yo weight cutting um mm -hmm. never have been i've never done it myself you know to that degree I only used, used to walk around three or four kilos over the weight that I thought, you know, yeah, um, yeah. and just by your natural diet. Right. Um, and up in your cardio, just the weight used to <clears throat> just come off. But obviously it's a different time now, you know, and everybody wants to get that little, that little bit of advantage by cutting as much weight as possible and yeah. being as big as you can in the cage, you know, or on the, on the mat. Um, I don't think the weight cutting is anywhere near as, bad in jiu-jitsu obviously but you're not being hit in the head you know or, or you know so yeah, yeah you know most people especially my students i always say to them if they're doing a jiu-jitsu competition don't bother cutting any weight just clean your diet up maybe and yeah. if you're over then just go to the next weight category you know there's yeah you shouldn't be stressing about uh cutting weight especially for jiu-jitsu in, in my opinion you know yeah um yeah, and my mma guys what i try to do is um especially with my amateurs because i've got a team of amateurs and pros But my amateurs, I always say, you walk around weight is what you fight at because most of the amateur fights you weigh in on the same day. Yeah, yeah. So there's no point in uh, trying to cut a load of weight and then you're still fighting, you're weighing on the same day, you know? So yeah, 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 yeah. I, I just say to them, don't cut any weight, just just fight the weight that you train at, you know? So less stress, less stress on your body, less stress on your mind. Yeah, yeah. Better results probably as well, especially yeah, on yeah, the same day. Yeah, yeah. 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 What's your favorite, um, well, but it's... A kind of two-way question uh, competitor fighter so jiu-jitsu mma uh i would say i was probably a better mma fighter um i don't really like sort of looking at my skill set really i just know what i can do you know and I, i'm quite confident in my skill set yeah. um but I, i've competed more in 
MMA than I have jiu-jitsu. And that's just simply due to injuries I had at the end of my MMA career. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then obviously, even if I wanted to compete in jiu-jitsu, I've still got, you know, two bad knees. I had my hip replaced last year. Oh. Um, so, you know, it's very, I'm not on my sort of what I was in my early 30s, for example. Yeah. yeah. You know, because obviously just, just by the sheer, sheer facts, one, you get older, two, I've had so many surgeries. You know, and uh, obviously, you know, father time, you can't, uh, you can't go back in time, you know, father time is undefeated. Of course. Yeah. And and if you look at other, uh, other competitors and fighters, what, what are your favorite ones at the moment? Uh, what, MMA fighters or jujitsu? Yeah. Maybe one of, one of each, one of each category. Um, MMA fighters, I would say the best that I've, particularly seen it's probably gsp because mm -hmm. he was so well-rounded yeah yeah student of the game real martial artist you didn't ever see him talk smack or anything like that he was the whole package you know yeah yeah um i would say him jiu-jitsu wise there's so many people i respect <laughs> uh but uh, i i still watch uh, i don't think he competes anymore but he is kind of like uh, above my head coach Jimmy um, Fernando Torreira, oh, yeah. he's yeah. absolutely. I, I watch his matches all the time. I've got his DVD collection, you know, um, <laughs> I, and he's he's come and done a seminar at my uh, academy as well oh, nice. um, last year. And he was a really nice guy. His technique, I'm just in awe of the guy. You know, he's he's done so much. Um, very 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 good, you know, and he's so humble as well. He couldn't be yeah. a nice, nicer guy, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, which which goes a long way for me as well. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. What, what's uh, what's your favorite jujitsu gi? Um, I have many. Um, my tatami estilo is probably my most comfortable, but I have so many different gis. Uh, but I do, I do like that gi because it's nice, rigid collar, you know, and it fits just right. You know, it's just a really, really <laughs> nice, tight fit on me as well. You know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I would probably say that. Yeah. And in summer, do you have di different preferences? Winter, summer, like a lighter gi? Uh, yeah, I always wear a, a lightweight gi. Yeah. Again, I I, I pretty much wear tatami or, or valor. Um, we have um, my academy gis are valor, and they're very. They do a very nice summer gi, very light. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that that's pretty nice. Um, if it gets too hot, we just train no gi anyway. So. <laughs> right, right. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. What's the number one thing on your bucket list that that's still not crossed off yet? Uh, with everything that I've personally experienced and done myself, if I could get one of my uh, juniors to become either a, a adult MMA or an adult uh, BJJ, IBJJF champion or something, that would be absolutely fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Very difficult to do, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, you've got to have yeah. dreams. Yeah. Well, they have the they have the years, so yes, uh, they do. They do. Yeah. I mean, they're doing well. For, it's just a matter of time, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're doing really well. So I took my son over to the Pan Kids over in California in, in uh, March. Yeah. Uh, sorry, in February, and um, he got uh, bronze medal. Oh, that's really and nice. the guy, the, the kid who beat him, was the one who won the gold. So he only won, lost one match. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what division was he? That in? was absolutely fun. Uh, yeah, that was fantastic. Yeah, so he won the bronze. My son won the bronze. Yeah, yeah. Um, so and that you know, I've, I'm literally coaching my son, and you've got people like Andre Galva coaching his, you know, one of the uh, guys from the Mendes brothers, you know, coaching yeah. egg. And I look at like what all they've achieved, like, and there's just me in my little academy in England, you know, and I'm still on the mat <laughs> with them, you know. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, do, do you think we have so, yeah. all the all the necessary ingredients in uh, not just at your academy but like if we talk about Europe because many people maybe have that idea like oh, if you want to be Jiu-Jitsu world champion you need to train in California or you, you need to go yeah. to Brazil or something do, do you think we have what it takes to make those champions um, well a lot of the uh, Brazilians are actually over here teaching as well aren't right. they? So they are the <laughs> yeah. source you know yeah so obviously that's where it you know it all comes from so they are the, the actual source so they, i think the knowledge is there i just think it's probably the quality of training partner 
which if you go to like I, I went over to um AOJ in California, the Mendes Brothers Academy. Yeah, yeah. And we went over there and there was like I did a class, there was like 10, 15 black belts on the mat, you know, and they were all champions, you know, and like even a kid wrote, you know, it's yeah, just yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're not gonna replicate that here for years, you know? No, no. Yeah. Um so obviously with those guys because they're training you know with that high quality day in day obviously they're going to be the best in the world you know it's going to take a, a long time for like the uk guys to be able to do the same you know yeah. right so that's a matter of time but we'll... yeah, yeah it's just time isn't it yeah yeah um what's your favorite sport outside of martial arts i know you're a very athletic person uh overall yeah. Uh, I used to play. Uh, I used to play a lot, a lot of sport. Um, I play a lot of sport with my kids now, and I encourage them to play all sports, really, not just specialize in jiu-jitsu. Because uh, I got my my son and daughter trained as well. So um, I used to like uh, cricket as well. I used to play a lot of cricket uh, as a kid, yeah. and um, football as well. You know, um, I don't really follow any sport now because all of my time is spent either at my academy or here at home with my kids and stuff. Um, and when the kids take over the TV, I got no chance of watching anything, you know. So you just don't get no time to watch anything, you know. Yeah. Right. yeah. So um, yeah, I, I generally just do what they do, really, and uh, yeah, I just try and train. I just try and train my kids to, or bring my kids up to be well-rounded, like human beings as well, not just this jujitsu or nothing, you know. But you know, some parents are like that. Yeah, yeah, me. yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah. you know, I try and obviously like you know it comes from a we come from a family of martial artists and stuff but um um i encourage my kids to yes you're gonna love your martial arts martial arts is your number one sort of sport but obviously if if you want to play football or you want to do cross country or you want to do athletics then you know go and do that as well you know have a balanced life you know yeah yeah and then you can make that choice later because only young you know right for sure yeah yeah um What's the uh, yeah? You, you kind of already uh, uh, described what what your number one thing is that you still want to scratch off your bucket list. What's what's your proudest yeah. achievement uh, up till now? I have a few um, from myself. What I did, I've done as a sort of fighter myself was being the first Cage Warriors lightweight champion. Yeah, yeah. which was um, you know very good achievement at the time yeah for sure as a coach uh probably having one of my fighters which was shay mills fight his first ufc fight um in nottingham and he uh knocked the guy in 36 seconds and one uh knockout of the night actually bonus <laughs> nice that yeah. was a really great night you know um it couldn't have gone any better for him you know because first first fight on a big stage and he goes and knocks the guy in 30 seconds you know yeah um so as as a coach that was that one and then probably uh my son winning his first mma fight which was last year um which was obviously a lot of pressure yeah on him because i'm his dad uh, it was on my promotion as well because um, i run a mma promotion like for amateurs and stuff um so a lot of pressure there he didn't seem that nervous, but I was in bits, to be honest, because <laughs> of his dad, you know, and I always want to protect him. Yeah. Um, but he went out there and he submitted the, the kid who was two years older than him, actually, he submitted him in 20 wow. seconds or something with a rear naked choke. So that was a really proud moment, you know. Uh, yeah. Uh, hopefully we can get back to training and he can, like, get another fight soon. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, we all, uh, we, we uh, got back to training uh, in the Netherlands last week. Oh, brilliant. Uh, so uh, I think it That's also great. started a little bit earlier here than in the UK. Yes. Uh, so yes. I really hope, uh, yeah, you guys can follow on that soon. Yeah. 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 I, I think the government are going to give some sort of statement this week. All right. So with everything else that they've opened up, uh, opened up I'm hoping that obviously the gyms will, you know, they'll probably be governed by how many people you have in and distance and all this sort of thing, you know? Yeah. But, um, you know, we need to get these gyms open because a lot of people need it in their lives, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, last question. Uh, what rest guard size do you wear? Especially the the ones that we were talking about earlier. Uh, medium. <laughs> medium. And uh, the one that um, Phil sent me, 
um, was absolutely fantastic. It's, it's such a nice uh, gi, uh, so, sorry, um, no gi top. It's such a nice rash guard. Um, it's really comfortable, thick, durable. And, um, you know, it's, I was rolling with it um, the other day with my son, actually, and it's, it's just felt so comfortable, you know? Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I definitely cool. recommend um, uh, your brand. Yeah, I'll, uh, I was just asking, uh, I'll send a, a size M of the short sleeve version over as well. You yeah. I think you had the long sleeve yeah. one. Uh, you can try that out for summer as well. I'll send it over to James and yeah. Phil and then they can uh, make sure great. you get it. Um, Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Well, no, no worries. Thank you a lot for your time and uh, sharing your experiences and, and your, your wisdom on the, uh, both the uh, teaching of the kids and also from the, yeah. the MMA uh, UFC judging part. Um, yeah. so yeah so thanks a lot and uh, we'll hope to have the Trojan open soon everybody listening to this uh, first of all before you log off click the subscribe button but also uh, check out the website of Trojan and maybe if you're in that area bring your kids there or as a parent uh, maybe join yourself or an adult of course to the adult classes um, so Paul yeah thanks again and uh, we we uh, looking forward to follow your team and uh, all their achievements Okay, thank you very much, guys. Thanks for the opportunity. Good, great. Good to speak to you guys. Thank yeah, you. thank you great. too. Have a great day, Paul. And you guys. Cheers.